Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Wednesday, March 8th. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air on the Memorial of St. John of God. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. On Wednesdays, I always take a moment to uh, to remind you to pray to St. Joseph, the husband of our Blessed Mother Mary and the foster father of Jesus. He is a powerful intercessor, so go to Joseph especially here in this month of March, which is dedicated to St. Joseph. I want to bring in uh, Glenn and Sarah. G- Glenn, what are a few of the big stories uh, making headlines here on this Wednesday morning? Well, John, sadly, the uh, story in Mexico has uh, you know, kind of come to a conclusion as far as what happened to the kidnapped people. The four from South Carolina headed for a medical procedure uh, that were kidnapped the other day. Uh, they've been found, two returned alive to America, two found dead. Uh, so sad news there. It is extremely sad, and it's uh, it's a reminder of just how dangerous it can be to go into to Mexico. I believe that uh, uh, our country is on the highest possible alert right now, uh, as uh, as the uh, the government is warning uh, people not to go into Mexico, and that would include uh, young people, high school and college students, which typically uh, go on spring break, oftentimes to some of the uh, resorts in Mexico. So, you know, uh, I I heard an interview uh, of a fellow who. Uh, used to uh, to work on the border in security, and he said he would not send his kids uh, on vacation uh, to Mexico at this time. Uh, this, so there's a high alert. Uh, please be careful if you're even thinking uh, of going uh, during spring break. Yeah, it's spring break coming up. There are uh, different ratings for different parts of Mexico, but that area right across the border from Brownsville, a level four do not travel warning, similar to travel warnings that would be in place for Americans in places like Iran and North Korea and Sudan and uh, Ukraine right now, all of, uh, many of which are <laughs> at war or very unfriendly to the U.S. And so that's kind of amazing that that's happening right across the border. It really, it really is amazing. And, um, you know, it's been dangerous for some time, but it really hits home when, when we have two uh, dead uh, Americans. Uh, meanwhile, uh, some more news from the state of, of Texas. Five women are suing uh, Texas over its abortion ban. Uh, Glenn, what do we know here this morning? Well, five women said they were denied abortions when pregnancy endangered their lives. They're suing the states over the abortion ban. The latest legal fights against restrictions since uh, Roe v. Wade was struck down. They filed suit Monday, and they said the Texas law, which was one of the strictest in the country, creating confusion among doctors, are turning away some pregnant women experiencing health complications, they say. Uh, so it's another angle on trying to uh, attack pro-life laws in Texas. It sure is. And, uh, you know, just the other day we had uh, Dr. John Brukowski, a former abortionist uh, turned pro-life OBGYN, uh, who said uh, based on his 30 plus years of experience, he's never seen a, a, a situation where abortion is medically necessary. So uh, the debate continues. Yeah, as long as they can, uh, you know, poke at it in a legal way, that's uh, one of the challenges there as the pro-abortion side fighting back very hard at a variety of states, even where abortion is completely illegal right now. But uh, some pro-life news in Texas as well, a, a life saved 
An NFL player and three others responsible for saving a man from a burning vehicle. This is straight-up hero stuff. Minnesota Vikings, yay! Minnesota Viking wide receiver K.J. Osborne uh, said a vehicle sped past Sunday night, past the vehicle he was in before it crashed into a pillar under a bridge overpass. Osborne said that he and his Uber driver and two others on the road stopped to save the driver from the burning vehicle. Osborne says he was eventually able to pull the man out of the vehicle and carry him a safe distance away. The victim taken to the hospital for treatment. No other injuries reported. Man, oh man, that is uh, that is great. So in addition to maybe, uh, you know, the, the purple and gold, there'll be an S on uh, on his uniform on the chest there uh, for Superman this coming year. Glenn, you got to be proud of uh, your Minnesota Vikings uh, wide receiver, uh, K.J. Osborne. Uh, uh, good job. And, you know, it's good to hear some uh, positive news, news off the field. So oftentimes with professional athletes, we hear uh, some of the negative stuff that happens. Uh, this, is, this is really a, a really uplifting story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is the good stuff that gets done, uh, maybe not as notoriously as the bad stuff that we, we hear about. But, uh, you know, nice for big strapping uh, young athlete to put, uh, you know, that strength to work uh, rescuing someone. But right place, right time, and the right heart to uh, carry out that dangerous task. Great story. Uh, as always, uh, thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Every morning, we always start the morning in prayer, uh, giving thanks to our Lord for so many blessings, always through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And just a quick reminder, Relevant Radio receives thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of prayer requests uh, from our donors and our listeners. Rest assured that we are praying for all of you in a special way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Señora Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Of course, you can find us uh, on Twitter and Facebook, at Morning Air Show, and you can always send us an email directly with any uh, thoughts, uh, show ideas, uh, whatever inspiration you might have, morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, on this uh, Wednesday morning, can you believe that we're already midway through the second week of Lent? Wow, it is just flying by. Catholics and other Christians frequently give up something they enjoy as a measure of a penance or self-discipline and often fall back into old habits at that first alleluia they throw in the towel. I spoke to longtime Morning Air contributor Gary Zimmick uh, about giving up um, something that is not very common. We're talking about giving up worry for Lent, which reminds me of St. Padre Pio, who used to say, pray, hope, and don't worry. Gary Zimmick is the author of the best-selling book, Give Up Worry for Lent, and he speaks frequently at parishes and conferences across uh, the country. You can sign up for his daily email reflections, uh, see his uh, speaking schedule, and arrange to bring Gary to your parish by visiting his website, followingthetruth.com. Here's my conversation with Gary Zimmick. 
Good morning, Gary. Thanks once again for joining us. It is always great to be with you. I always look forward to our chats. I, I do too, John. Thank you so much for having me. And by the way, pray, hope, and don't worry. How can you get better advice than that? I mean, that's it's perfect. And it's such a great little reminder of uh, what we really need to focus on, because our Lord himself said it many, many times, do, you know, do not be afraid, but also he reminds us, do not worry. And so yeah. uh, this is a great lesson for us to, to, uh, to think about here uh, during Lent. People are worried, John. People are worried, and they're looking for hope. So that message, pray, hope, and don't worry. That's beautiful. That's what we all need to hear. It's not just a matter, as you know, of just not worrying. That sounds good, but it's praying, turning to the Lord, and hoping that he's going to come through in some way. And he does, and I am hearing such good things. You know, this is the fourth year that Give Up Worry for Lent, the book, has been out. It's selling more copies each year, which is not the typical behavior for for books they usually decrease but people are worried they're looking for hope and they're finding hope in the lord you know we don't we don't count on him to necessarily take all of our problems away but we know that when we invite him in he's going to give us that peace and help us in some way Gary, as uh, as you uh, d- do your missions at, uh, at these different parishes, what are you hearing on the ground? What are people most concerned about? What are they most worried about? So many people are concerned about their children, you know, children who have left the church or who are in a bad way. People are concerned about the state of the world. People are concerned about their health many times. People are concerned about finances. You know, all of these things that many times are out of our control. And in fact, John, we don't worry about things that are within our control, because if I can control something, I'm going to just fix it. It's the things that we can't control. And last night, as an example, we're, we're in, I'm in Louisiana, and there was a string of tornadoes headed our way. Now, we were spared in Baton Rouge, but our friends in the New Orleans area got hit pretty heavily. So I urge everybody to pray for them today. But, you know, we we realized as this storm was approaching, once again, we realized that we're not in control of so many things, and we're dependent on the Lord. That is so true. We really are not in control. It's the Lord who's control of everything. Everything you brought up, uh, you know, our, our children, our yeah. families, what's happening uh, in Europe uh, with the war in Ukraine, yeah. uh, the, the COVID pandemic, uh, uh, the, the economy. None of these things are, are in our control. Right, exactly. And, you know, John, it's sometimes confusing because we look at the state of the world and of our country, of our own lives, and we think, is God really in control? If he is, why is everything such a mess? And that's, that's one of the, the big questions that I think we have to address. And we have to understand that, first of all, this is not heaven. This is a fallen world. But he allows free will. He allows things to happen. And oftentimes, the other night at the mission, I talked about the storm at sea. Oftentimes, he will lead us into a storm in our life not just because he wants us to suffer, but because he wants to teach us something. He wants to teach us to depend on him in the storm. And, and sometimes, I would say oftentimes, he chooses to allow the storm to remain for at least a period of time instead of taking it away because he knows that we tend to grow closer to him and realize that we need him more when we can't do anything about our own problems, when it's out of our control. So as much as I hate storms, I definitely see the benefit in these things that are out of my control, because that's when I realize I'm helpless. Hey, Lord, 
Now I remember. Can you help me? <laughs> it reminds me of what our Lord uh, said to his disciples on that boat. Uh, ye of little faith. You know, mm-hmm. you need to have faith. What do you tell uh, people who say they just can't do it? They can't stop worrying. You know, I make the distinction between fear and worry. Fear is an emotion. We can't necessarily or directly control our fear, but we can control worry. And that's even, and it's very difficult to convince people that once they hear it and once I say it enough, they begin to feel it. But we can choose, even though we're scared to death, even though we're hopeless, we can choose to use that prayer that Peter prayed when he was sinking on the water. Lord, save me. You know, if we can choose to pray in the midst of our, of our crisis, as opposed to worry, which, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, John, it's a choice. Worry is a choice. It's, it's become so natural for so many of us that we don't think it's a choice, but it is a conscious decision. We can always take Padre Pio's advice, and instead of worrying, we can pray, and we can hope in the Lord that things will turn out for the best. You know, in the Divine Mercy Chaplet, we pray the very short little prayer, Jesus, I trust Uh, in you. I think that just those few little words is a powerful reminder of putting our trust in the Lord, trusting in Jesus, and uh, another reason to to not worry and and leave it in the Lord's hands. John, I don't think I've ever given a talk and not used that prayer and not pointed to that Divine Mercy image because it's so powerful. And, you know, St. Faustina, in her revelations from Jesus, she was told, and this is, not everybody knows this, but she was told by Jesus that the greatest obstacles to holiness are discouragement and anxiety. And that's pretty scary because so many of us struggle with this, I'm afraid what's going to happen. I, we need to turn to Jesus. We need to, to say that prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. And one of the points I always make when I speak is that trust is not a feeling. Trust is a decision. When I flew from Philly down to Louisiana the other day, I placed my life in the hands of a pilot that I didn't know. I trusted him. Do we want to trust Jesus with our lives? So I say, go ahead and do it. Say those words, Jesus, I trust in you, even if you don't feel that confidence in him. That's a great act of love. You're saying, Lord, I love you so much. I don't know how you're going to fix this. This doesn't make sense to me, but I am choosing Jesus to trust in you. He'll never let you down. Spiritual directors talk about carrying a rosary because the rosary is a weapon. But I, I think in addition to the rosary, have a holy card of uh, the divine mercy image with the words, Jesus, I trust in you, and keep it in your pocket as a never-ending reminder. I think that that might be a small little thing that we can do here uh, during Lent. Yeah, absolutely. And the Lord said to St. Faustina, there's great graces that come from just looking and venerating that image. And I've found such peace looking at that image of divine mercy. John, you know what? Every church I go to anymore seems like they have a copy of that image displayed, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Never do a radio show without the image of Divine Mercy right here, front and center, next to Our Lady of Guadalupe and JP2 in studio as as a reminder of what's really important. Uh, Lent is just flying by. Uh, What do you say to people who think, oh, it's too late, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of, uh, you know, wasted my time so far. But it really, it's never too late to make that choice, to make that decision to give up worry and, uh, and put it in Jesus' hands. Absolutely. And, you know, I totally get that, that way of thinking because that's the way I typically think, oh, well, I missed it. I, I didn't watch the beginning of the program. I might as well forget the whole thing. But what I would say is look at the good thief on the cross. 
it's never too late. It wasn't too late for him, even though he was, he was hanging on a cross next to Jesus, and he asked for that forgiveness. He said, Lord, can I be with you this day in your kingdom? You know, so it is never too late. And in fact, my Give Up Worry for Lent book, I've been selling, I, I sold out at the parish mission. People are still getting on board with this program and the, these daily devotions. So it is absolutely not too late. As long as we have that desire, now is the time to get started, to get serious. We've all, we, we, we all could look back and say, I could have had a better first few weeks of Lent. But now is the time we can begin. You know, If you just have that desire, that instant desire, right at this moment in time, this can be a fantastic Lent. Well, you know, Gary, drawing from my uh, previous uh, sports reporting background, I always think it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Uh, just oh, yeah. like in sports, uh, you want to finish strong. So there's still, there's still time to, to, to finish strong here in Lent. There really is. There really is. And, you know, I would consider anybody listening right now who's, who's wondering, is it too late? Consider this your wake-up call from the Holy Spirit, because I prayed to the Holy Spirit before I came on, and I said, all right, Spirit, give me the words. So take it as a good piece of advice. It is not too late. Start today, and you'll see a difference in your life. Where can our listeners uh, get a copy of your wonderful book, uh, Give Up Worry for Lent? John, it's available at Amazon and all online booksellers, but it's also available at my website, followingthetruth.com. Well, I so much uh, appreciate uh, your perspective. Uh, you always have a hopeful and inspiring uh, point of view, and I, I think it's uh, invaluable for our listeners uh, at this point in Lent to, to remember that important lesson, give up worry for Lent. Amen. And you know what, John? We are headed in Lent toward Good Friday. That's true. But more importantly, we're headed toward Easter Sunday. So we don't want to ignore the Lord's passion, but we also don't want to forget what happened after he died, which leads us to remember that there's hope. No matter what we're going through, there is hope. What a powerful message. That was Morning Air contributor Gary Zimmick, the best-selling author of Give Up Worry for Lent and a popular speaker and parish mission leader. For more, you can visit Gary's website, followingthetruth.com. We need to take a short break. When we come back, our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona, will bring Rome to home for the latest news on the Holy Father from the Vatican. So stay with us. There is much more to come on this Wednesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing Rome to home. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And yes, indeed, now it is time to bring Rome to home, as we do every Wednesday. For the latest news from the Vatican, we go live to the Eternal City and our Rome correspondent, Ashley Norona. Ashley and her husband, John, founded the Truth and Beauty Project in Rome, where they take people from knowing their faith to setting their hearts on fire with talks, tours and spiritual direction all centered on scripture art and beauty they even have a special track to evangelize young adults visit truthandbeautyproject.com to find out how you can make your life a masterpiece in just one week with john and ashley in rome good morning ashley buongiorno thanks so much for joining us once again from roma hey john buongiorno to you great to talk to you today 
Ashley, uh, tell us about the Holy Father. Uh, he um, has been talking about apostolic zeal mm-hmm. recently at his audiences. Uh, did the Holy Father uh, continue with that same theme this morning? He sure did, John. He continued with that that exact same theme. And I'll tell you that an extra thing I think that brought lots of zeal to people today was that the audience was outdoors once again. It was held in St. Peter's Square instead of inside the Paul VI audience hall where it's been held for the past few months because of the cold. So of course, this is a sign in Rome that spring has sprung. And indeed that theme of apostolic zeal, John, today, Pope Francis spoke about that every baptized person has a unique role in the church's mission, has their own role, but yet there are certain things that every person has in common because, first of all, it's the call to imitate the self-sacrificing love of Christ. Also, every baptized person participates in the mission of the church and in the mission of Christ the King as priest, prophet, and king. And he said that all evangelization has its source in God, where the immense love of the Father is then poured out on the world through the missions of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then that is seen in the church's mission, the church's mission of proclaiming the saving love of the Trinity to all the ends of the earth. And he emphasized that this is for everyone. He he called the baptized the pilgrim and evangelizing people of God. And he said within that, the people are not separated into active or passive evangelists, some who share the gospel, some who stay silent. He said, no, all are called to evangelize because if not, otherwise there's a danger of becoming fossilized or stoic. So he also gave advice for how to avoid that. He said, be creative in your zeal. He said, look for new ways of proclaiming, of of new ways of witnessing and encountering the wounded humanity that Christ took on. He said, look for new ways of serving the gospel and serving others. And he reminded that all are called to this because the love of the Father is destined for every human being. He said, One should always remember that the love of the Father reaches every man and woman through the mission of the Son, who's the mediator of salvation, he's our Redeemer, and then through the mission of the Holy Spirit. And John, finally today, Pope Francis finished by especially giving a special blessing to all women who were present in the square because today is International Women's Day. And so he thanked all women for their commitment to building a more humane society, he said, through their ability to grasp reality with a creative gaze and tender heart. And after that, he asked for a special round of applause for all women who were present, John. I know the Holy Father uh, has uh, a special heart uh, for women, and especially on this day, uh, International Women's Day, uh, which is being uh, celebrated all around the world. How is it being celebrated in Italy specifically? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, speaking of a special heart for for women, John, one thing that the Pope did mention also is that there are more women working at the Vatican than there were 10 years ago when he was elected Pope. Now, International Women's Day has been celebrated 
throughout the world since 1977. In Italy, we call it La Festa della Donna. And so there's various events that go on throughout Rome uh, that commemorate the cultural and political socioeconomic achievements of women. So, for example, uh, on this day, women will have free entry to Italian state museums, to archaeological sites throughout the country. And then there's all kinds of special cultural events that are being held across Italy. There's also been special political speeches today. You uh, probably recall that Georgia Maloney is the first female prime minister of Italy. So she has spoken about her role today. Also, uh, Italy just elected the first woman of the, of, um, the Partito Democratico political party. And then Margarita Cassano was just uh, became Italy's first head of Supreme Court. So, for example, where we there were speeches by all of these women today talking, uh, speaking about their roles. And the origin of International Women's Day actually goes back to the USA. It was in 1908 when 15,000 women marched through New York City and they were demanding the right to vote. And so since that time, it's been celebrated in various parts of the world. And in Italy, on this, on this day, it's a tradition that women receive uh, this beautiful flower called the mimosa flower. So imagine that these little sprigs, these little um, yeah, these little sprigs with yellow pom-pom or puff flowers on the end. And you walk into the morning coffee bar and the barista will give you a mimosa. You go to pick up your bread and the, the bread maker will give you a mimosa. And in fact, Italian florists typically sell about 12 million sprigs of this bright yellow flower on this day every year. Although, John, you may remember me talking about drought conditions that Italy is already having by after a very dry winter. Well, as a result of it, the mimosa harvest this year has fallen by about a third. Uh, so prices have surged. Also, believe it or not, there have been thefts of mimosa selling the flowers on the black market. So uh, otherwise, today is a day of giving these, these little yellow pieces of beauty and celebrating the gift of, of women. It is a, a beautiful day to celebrate the, the gift of women. And, uh, you know, from a Catholic perspective, there's much uh, to celebrate uh, uh, the feminine genius, as uh, St. John Paul II used to, uh, to describe it. Um, but uh, unfortunately, in some parts of the world, uh, International Women's Day is an opportunity to, to celebrate so-called uh, reproductive rights, uh, which mm. obviously is something that the Holy Father has has been very uh, vocal about because it's basically another word for abortion rights. Uh, and this is absolutely not part uh, of our Catholic teaching. No. And so, yes, indeed, there are even um, demonstrations that will go on in Italy. But we this is an opportunity, too, for us, just as you said, John, to really change people's understanding and remind them of the, the, the feminine genius and what it means, what it authentically means to um, appreciate femininity. So this is a great day to talk about 
the beauty of being a woman. Absolutely. Um, meanwhile, um, the uh, station churches there in uh, Roma have a, a beautiful uh, a tradition. Can you share a little bit uh, with us? <laughs> Absolutely. So this is a wonderful Lenten tradition, John, and goes on throughout all of the 40 days of Lent. And during those 40 days, there is a different church in Rome to which all of the people of Rome are called to celebrate a special mass at that church. In fact, some of these churches are only open on that particular day in the Lenten season. You may recall that we have nearly a thousand churches in Rome. Not every single one is open all year round. So this tradition during Lent goes back to the practice of the Pope celebrating liturgies at various churches throughout the city uh, on different days connected to different feast days. So this tradition of the Pope going church to church goes back as far as the late second or early third century. Now, this was thought to be a pretty practical reason that the Pope did this because in Rome, there were many diverse groups, different cultures coming from different places. And so they would tend to go to a to in groups to particular churches. So the Pope would then go and celebrate a special mass at each of these particular churches. Well, after the legalization of Christianity in 313 AD, when public worship was then permitted, uh, the idea was to commemorate different feast days at churches that had a special link to that feast day. So for example, Good Friday would be celebrated at the Basilica of the Holy Cross in Jerusalem, which actually has various relics from the Passion of Christ, including a piece of the true cross. Fantastic so, place. I have, I've been there a number uh, of times. It is amazing. Isn't it so special? It, it really is such a moving experience to stand there in front of a, a thorn that would have penetrated into the head of Christ, a nail that would have gone through his flesh, the finger of Thomas that would have gone to the side of Christ. It is such a moving experience, especially during Holy Week. So you see how these different, uh, the tradition of going to different churches at different times of the year developed. And then during the last half of the fifth century, a fixed calendar was developed so that during the 40 days of Lent, it was established where the community of Rome would go um, on each day. Now, the English-speaking community of Rome has an English mass at each of these different churches during the 40 days of Lent at 7 a.m. every day. So there is a tradition here that many people not only attend, and of course you can imagine it's already a sacrifice for many people to plan to attend this early morning mass and then carry on with their day during Lent, but many people walk as well. So walking from their homes or from, for example, the Pontifical North American College Seminary, and um, then everyone meets up there, the mass is celebrated, and there's a little bit of a tradition after mass too that people go and enjoy a coffee together and then carry on with their day. So it is such a, it's really a living connection to those days when 
so many saints and martyrs did just as we are doing now. And as you walk down the quiet streets in the early morning hours, uh, you feel a very special connection to all those holy people who have done the same before us, John. And uh, speaking of holy people, uh, tomorrow, March 9th, is the Feast of St. Francis of Rome. Uh, How is this saint uh, being celebrated? Yes. You know, she is so special to the Roman people. She's actually a co-patron of Rome. And to give you background on this great saint, she was born in 1384. But when she was 12 years old, she felt called to become a nun, but her parents would not agree. So she married and created a very holy home, and she was blessed with three sons. But tragically, two of her boys were lost to the Black Plague. And through that experience, she became very, very sensitive to people experiencing loss, to people who were suffering. So she began a special ministry to the sick during the Black Plague. And even when her husband was wounded in, uh, in battle, in military battle, she continued to, to care for him. So it is said that as she carried on her charitable activities through the, the not-so-safe streets of Rome at night at that time, that somehow she was always protected. And it was thought that it was her guardian angel who would have been protecting her along the way. So as a result of that, she is the patron saint, John, of cars, of vehicles, and people driving vehicles, because it's the idea of that angel traveling along with France, with St. Francis of Rome. And so on her special day tomorrow, something that will happen is that there will be a mass at the Church of St. Francis of Rome, which is there in the Forum. And afterwards, people from throughout the city will bring their cars. The uh, city, uh, city bus drivers, for example, will drive up in their buses. Taxi drivers will come. And there will be a special blessing of all of the cars. So tomorrow is especially a great day to... Um, call on Santa Francesca Romana, who, whose remains are right there in the church of St. Francis of Rome in the forum, to call on her intercession, to pray for protection uh, on you as you drive and as you undertake charitable activities in your life, John. I can almost picture all those cars and buses waiting for the special (laughs) blessing uh, tomorrow uh, for the Feast of St. Francis of Rome. Ashley, as always, uh, so much uh, appreciate uh, your perspective. You always uh, color the picture of uh, Roma for us. Oh, well, it is an absolute delight. Many blessings and and happy early feast of St. Francis of Rome. Thanks so much. Grazie, grazie. Uh, Ashley Narona, our Rome correspondent who joins us every Wednesday from the Eternal City, always bringing Rome to home. You can listen to her reports on the Relevant Radio app. Just go to Relevant in Rome. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we're going to be joined by the assistant editor for Alatea, Teresa Sivanto. 
Santos Barber will be with us to discuss Marie Kondo's perhaps best advice yet. So stay with us. There is much more to come as Morning Air continues on this Wednesday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. It is good to be with you on this Wednesday morning, the second week of Lent. Our power scripture, as we do every morning from the playbook of life, is from 2 Corinthians 5.20. The Apostle St. Paul writes, So we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We beseech you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you do nothing else this Lent, go to confession. Make a sincere, truthful Lenten confession. Lent is the season to humble our pride and be reconciled to God. St. Augustine called the confessional the medicine box because there's a divine physician there and we are injured and need healing. We go in with our sins and we come out perfectly clean. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in his infinite ocean of mercy, opens his arms wide to embrace us. Our sins are finite. Christ's mercy is infinite. We always pray with great confidence from the chaplet of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. I want to switch gears and uh, talk uh, about something that you may have heard of. Uh, you might be familiar with Marie Kondo. She's the Japanese organizing consultant, author, and internationally known tidying expert. She became famous with her show on Netflix, uh, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. But uh, recently she shared that she's no longer prioritizing a pristine home, a house beautiful, now that she has three little children. Here's a part of a recent report on E! News. Marie Kondo is coming clean about her messy home. The Japanese organizing consultant who gained worldwide acclaim through her KonMari method of tidying and Netflix show says her life changed in more ways than one after she and her husband welcomed their third child in 2021. In a recent interview with the Washington Post, Marie says she used to keep her home tidy at all times, but confesses, quote, I've kind of given up on that in a good way for me. Now I realize what is most important to me is enjoying spending time with my children at home. Marie says she's found different ways of sparking joy these days, telling the newspaper, quote, my home is messy, but the way I'm spending my time is the right way for me at this time, at this stage of my life. And I'm sure there's a lot of moms out there uh, listening this morning that can totally relate. A number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. Joining us live is uh, Teresa Cervantes Barber, assistant editor for Elatea, with much more perspective on why this may be Marie Kondo's best advice yet. Teresa Cervantes Barber has worked as an editor for Regnery Publishing, the University of Chicago and Midwest Theological Forum. She and her husband uh, have four children. They live in Downers Grove, Illinois, in suburban Chicago. Good morning, Teresa. Welcome back to Morning Air. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, to Teresa, for those uh, listeners who uh, uh, don't know much about uh, Marie Kondo and, and who she is, can you tell us a little bit about her and uh, uh, her uh, thinking when it comes to uh, tidying up a home? 
She was famous for this concept of only keeping things in your home that spark joy and kind of a radical decluttering. Um, but in a way, what she's saying now isn't too different from what she was saying, you know, years ago when she wrote her original book. Yeah, and and so uh, I, I guess uh, she was somebody that really understood uh, having a, a clean, meticulous, as my wife likes to call it, a house, uh, beautiful. But uh, oh, how things have changed now that she has uh, three children. <laughs> yes, yes, she's she's sharing that she's not keeping the perfectly organized house anymore, and I think uh, parents everywhere can relate. You know, from a from a Catholic perspective, uh, you know. Being organized and, and, and having a, a clean home, uh, this it can be considered uh, virtuous. Yes, absolutely. Um, order, you know, that virtue of order. And part of the virtue of order that we can't forget is remembering that our homes are here to serve us. Um, and that the goal isn't a perfect home at the expense of our family relationships. And that's where I think Uh, Marie Kondo's uh, new advice of prioritizing her family is just perfect for us as Catholics and a very inspiring message um, that she's saying, let's focus on those relationships. Let's put our time with our family and this, you know, this brief season when our children are young and little um, and can't always keep things perfectly orderly. Let's put this time first. Let's put our family time first and um, the tidying will always be there. Well, you know, again, as Catholics, we're we're called uh, to have a domestic church. So, uh, I guess with her new perspective, it's 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 okay to have a little bit messiness as long as you're doing uh, the important things. Yes, in in her original book, she wrote that the true goal of her radical decluttering approach is to establish the lifestyle you want most. And I think her new a little bit messier lifestyle is really consistent with that, um, that as Catholics, we are also trying to live with intention and purpose and not just with the winds of the culture, but really with meaning. And I think that her original goal of decluttering and her goal now of spending more time with her family are consistent with really establishing that lifestyle that we want the most. And I think as Catholics, we can absolutely understand that feeling. Uh, Teresa, we have a, a caller, Anna, joining us uh, from Miami, uh, Florida, this morning. Anna, welcome to Morning Air. Uh, you're on uh, with uh, Teresa Cervantes Barber. Good morning. Um, thank you for taking my call. Uh, what's funny is that I used to watch this show and think to myself, oh my God, I really should be a little more tidy. And I enjoyed having everything in its place and a place for everything. And that was like the thing. And my, you know, I've kind of adopted a different idea for different reasons. My my little kids now are in their, you know, early twenties. They're both in college locally. Uh, I'm a single mom. I have two girls, and I feel so blessed just to have them with me. My oldest has now decided she likes my bathroom better, so we're like bathroom roommates. And she's got a bunch of stuff on her, you know, on the. Uh, where the vanity is, and and I used to look at that and just go crazy and think, oh my God, everything has to be per- you know perfectly put away. But you know what my thought is? We spend more time, thank God, when we can, having dinner together, you know, just talking in a different stage of life now. And I look at that and I say, you know, they're here, and life isn't perfect, and I have a lot of concerns. I think more worries than I did when they were young. But 
I totally understand that, you know, you, you're really, we're in this life so short and we, our families first. And I think creating the memories, which they don't forget is more important. So, you know, I, I completely agree. Thanks so much uh, for your perspective, uh, Anna. Uh, Teresa, any thoughts? Yes, I love that, making those memories together. You know, and as a mom, I think, do I want my kids to remember that I was, you know, playing with them, cooking with them, dancing with them, or do they? Or do I want them to remember that I was barking at everybody to clean up all day? You know what I mean? They're little. They're only little ones. Let's make those memories. Uh, Teresa, I want to bring in our producer and our resident mom, Sarah, who has a little bit of experience uh, dealing with kids at home and having a a clean home. Okay, Teresa, get out of my house. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of barking. Hey, how come this is not cleaned up? Hey, why are you doing this? How come I'm the only one doing everything? We do. We have to have that constant reminder that that is not what is most important. And yes, they do have to learn how to clean up and they do have to learn how to put things away so that, you know, they have to learn these chores. But that can't be everything. And it's it's really difficult for me to, to survive in chaos and mess everywhere. But we have to work towards this is what God is calling us to, to work on in this moment is to remember, hey, did they help make dinner? And we made a mess. But we did it together. Like those are the things that we do need to try. Did we stop what we were doing, the busy things we were focusing on? And did we play blocks with them? You know, that is the thing that we need to remember and keep in focus. So um, she's getting her priorities straight and we all need to do the same thing. I keep thinking we can't let our desire for order go above our call to live with Christ's peace and charity and kind of a radical hospitality towards both our own family and others, you know, so the peace and the the charity come first, then the order, and we can't forget that, Um, but it can be hard in the moment. I love it. Peace and charity first, uh, and then you can uh, tidy up the house. I appreciate uh, your your perspective. Uh, thanks uh, so much. And uh, once again, uh, you can go to Alatea for much more on this uh, on this story uh, by Teresa Cervantes Barber, uh, Marie Kondo's best advice yet. It's called. Uh, Teresa, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And now it is time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Darts. A young lady named Sally relates an experience she had in a seminary class given by her teacher, Dr. Smith. She says Dr. Smith was known for his elaborate object lessons. One particular day, Sally walked into the seminary class and knew they were in for a fun day. On the wall was a big target, and on a nearby table were many darts. Dr. Smith told his students to draw a picture of someone they disliked or someone who had made them angry, and he'd allow them to throw darts at the person's picture if they wished. Sally's girlfriend drew a picture of a girl who'd stolen her boyfriend. Another friend drew a picture of his little brother. Sally drew a picture of a former friend, putting in great detail into her drawing, even drawing pimples on the face. Sally was pleased with the overall effect that she'd achieved, The class lined up and began throwing darts. Some of the students threw their darts with such force their targets were ripped apart. Sally looked forward to her turn and was filled with disappointment when Dr. Smith, because of time limits, asked the students to return to their seats. As Sally sat thinking about how angry she was because she didn't have a chance to throw any darts at her target, Dr. Smith began removing the target from the wall. Underneath the target was a picture of Jesus. A hush fell over the room as each student 
viewed the mangled picture of Jesus, holes and jagged marks covered his face, his eyes were pierced. Dr. Smith said only these words from Matthew 25, 40, Inasmuch as you have done unto the least of these, my brother, you have done unto me. No other words were necessary. His tears filled the eyes of the students, focused only on the picture of Christ. As always, uh, thanks so so much, Glenn. Uh, Another inspirational uh, message. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, will be with us to talk about the dating culture crisis uh, and why this is fueling a Catholic marriage vocation collapse. So we'll we'll break it open and talk all about it with Father Tyone. Plus, our personal success coach, Dave Duran, will be with us once again to talk about the five levels of productivity discipline. We'll talk about the importance of discipline with our good friend, Dave Duran, coming up next hour. So there's much more straight ahead. We are just warming up on this Wednesday as the final hour of Morning Air rolls on on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.